we have been on a, a most amazing journey. Once we hit Ephesians, if you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, the reason I say 5 and 6, I want you to look at one verse because it, we were minding our own business, weren't we? We were just going through the book of Ephesians and we, we hit Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 where it says, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Take a look at it. Ephesians 5 verse 21. Might want to memorize it. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Very simple verse. It's a, kind of easy to comprehend. We're to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And then, and then Paul writes, Wives, I want you to be subject to your own husbands. And there we went. We started that journey on a, on a trip through what is it like to be a husband and what is it like to be a wife and what does it really mean to have a family that loves one another, that, that is constantly caring for one another, thinking more highly of each other than we do our own selves. And so it says, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, you be subject to your husbands. Husbands, I want you to love your wives like Jesus Christ loves the church. And in this passage that we are going to take a look at today, it's just another illustration that is connected to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Paul applies the principle of being subject or, or, or loving or being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. He, he applies that principle to everything that we have studied since that verse. He has applied it to husbands and wives. He has applied it to children and parents. And now today, we're going to see how he applies that in the workplace. Now, Paul uses the words slave and master. Today, we would use the words employee and employees. Or employer and employees. And I want us to read, considering where do we fall on that aspect of are we working for someone or are we over some people and how do we treat the job that we have and the people that are surrounding us in that job place we are to be subject to one another in the fear of christ and paul makes his point again by saying in ephesians chapter 6 verse 5 he says, slaves, we will use the word employees. Be obedient to those who are your employers, masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether a slave or free. And employers, masters, you do the same things to them. Give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no partiality with him. In other words, we're all equal. And in other words, 
because someone has a position of authority doesn't mean that they are better than. It just means that God happened to give them that position. Let's pray. Father in heaven, this is critical, I think, in each of our lives. It is, it is a place in Scripture where we, t- we really take a look at how do we treat people? How do we treat people? How do we really handle the, the position or the place that you have given us in our lives to be the men and the women that you've called us to be, whether it is in our homes with our wives or husbands, whether it be in our homes with our children or with our parents, or whether it be in the workplace with our employees or with our employer. Teach us, Father, that we are to be subject to each other in the fear of of your most holy and righteous name, the very fear of Christ itself. Would you move me aside, I beg, Father? Would you allow us to see how critical this is within the lives that we live in our attitude towards one another? Please bless us, Father. Please bless this church, the people in it. Allow us, Father God, to serve you as best we know how. And I thank you for a woman like Alma who uh, so loves the children that she has been entrusted, our kids. Bless hers and those that work with them, we pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Let me say this. Every single relationship that you can ever dream of can become difficult and or out of order if both sides do not conduct themselves in a godly fashion. I mean, the only hope we have is how do we treat one another? Do we think more highly of another person than we do our own self? And key to godly order within your life and in my life is our being subject. Ephesians 5.21, our being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And we see this principle lived out over and over and over again, and now again here in verses 5 and verse 9. In verse 5 it talks to employees. Slaves, Paul calls us. We're to be obedient to those who are our masters. In other words, we're to be obedient to those who are over us. And also, in verse 9, it says, to those of you who are over people, you're to treat them in the same way. Do the same thing to them as you would want them to do for you. In other words, verse 9, give up threatening. Render both to an employer and employees to work together in harmony. That's that's what the point is in the, the all of we've been studying, whether it be husband and wife, whether it be children and parents, and now whether it's employers and employees. Let's live together in harmony. And with every facet of God's plan in your life and in my life, there is but one who would be in authority and the other who is to be in submission. And these two relationships, whether it be in the family or in the workplace, harmony and peace must occur. And it can occur when both sides are subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Uh, This is important. Compliance 
between authority and submission is the difference between peace and chaos. Let me say that again. Compliance between the person in authority and the person who is in submission is the difference between peace and chaos within the workplace or within the family, within the marriage, within the church. To avoid chaos, and I looked up that word, and it means like turmoil, it means confusion, it means disorder. To avoid chaos within every institution, God allows this pattern. One must lead, and the other must follow. And God has a plan for this in every situation, in every situation I should say, because after all, God is, throughout Scripture, a God of order. He always is in order. He always has been. He always will be. In every institution that God establishes, He brings order to it through authority and submission. That's the way He does it. So He gives us this input. Let's be subject to one another, whether you be the employer or you be an employee. Let's be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And let me tell you something. Having walked this road, being or given authority by God is not necessarily a blessing. On the contrary, with authority comes, if you understand true authority, comes greater responsibilities. He calls those who are to lead to become a servant of those who are to follow. Our example is none other than Jesus Christ. You can look, if you wish, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, 26, 27, 28. We already went over that a few times. It was when Jesus was with the disciples. James and John's mother comes into the room, and she walks up to Jesus. He must have said, what would you wish? And she says, I would love for my sons, James and John, to sit one on your right and the other on your left. In other words... I want my kids to have authority in your kingdom that is to come. The other disciples heard her. They became, it's really a great word, indignant. They were mad. The nerve of her coming in and asking for their, her sons to have a place of authority. I want authority too. So they come and they say that to Jesus. And he knowing their thoughts says to them in this place in Scripture, let me read it to you, it is phenomenal. He says to them, here, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, in other words, Gentiles in this case are non-believers. He says that you know that the non-believers lord their authority over one another. Their great men exercise authority over them. He says it's not so among you. That's not the way we're setting up our kingdom, he says. But whoever wishes to be great should be your servant. And whoever wants to be first should be your slave. And then he says, just as the Son of Man came to this earth, he didn't come to be served, he came to serve and give his life a ransom for you and Everyone else who would accept it. We've got to follow in his footsteps. 
because our example in everything that we do, whether it be in a husband and wife relationship or a, a father and, and, and a mother to their kids or the kids to their parents or the, in the workplace, he is our example, always will be and always shall be. So don't ever forget authority or being the boss is not based on any inherent superiority by the person. As everything else in life, this position is given or not given by God. Let's see if we can find a good example. Oh, I know. How about the church here, the rock? I'm the senior pastor. I'm the senior pastor. With that authority comes that I must be the servant here at this church. I must be a slave here at this church. You've heard me say, this place, this position isn't anything unique or special to to us. This this position here, this this who stands behind this place and is is a senior pastor, is no different than anyone else here. We're all in this together. But to have this position, and by the way, if anybody wants it, you can stand up right now and I'll, I'll step down. It's not that, it's not easy. I hear rumors of some people saying, you're, in, we've heard that you're unapproachable. Huh? How many times do I have to tell you I love you? How many times do I have to stand here and say, I really want, I love you with all my heart? And, 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 and some people have left because, well, we, we tried to talk to the pastor, but he won't talk to us. Really? Really? I won't? Where did that rumor start? I'm a lot more shy than people think. But by golly, I'm approachable. When authority has been given, put it up on screen. Let me. I, I, this came to my heart while I was studying this week. In fact, somebody asked me last night, can you email me this? In fact, there's a little more at the end of the message. And they said, who did you quote? Who did you find this from? I said, well, uh, God. I believe God gave this to me. I was just sitting there minding my own business, just studying, you know. And then and, and I started to write it down on, on, on what I was doing. If authority has been given to you, it's because God believes that he could trust you with being a servant. If authority has been given to you in any capacity, it's believed God must have thought that He could trust you with serving people. For those, now let's talk about those of us who work for other people. That task is seen clearly in verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. Read it with me again. Employers, ease, employees. Be obedient to those who are over you. In other words, your employers or masters here, according to the flesh. In other words, not in heaven. It's just someone here you're working here for on this earth. With fear and trembling and with the sincerity of your heart as unto Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves as Christ, do the will of God from your heart. With goodwill, render service as to the Lord, not to men. In other words, serve them as if you were serving your Father who is in heaven. Reason being is in verse 8, knowing, knowing that whatever good thing you do, you're going to receive back from the Lord, whether you're a free or a slave. 
The words in verse 5 are really critical. Be obedient. It's in the present tense in the Greek. That simply means that it is an uninterrupted obedience. The idea implies that an employee is to be obedient or to obey their, their boss at all times. There is an exception. As in everything else that God gives us, the exception is if they ask you to do something that is contrary to the very law of God. In other words, they ask you to sin. You don't have to do that. Peter and John and the rest of the disciples were asked when they were back in Jerusalem, don't preach in the name of Jesus Christ ever again. And Peter said to the, 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 the religious leaders at that time, oh, whether it be right in, in the eyes of you... We, he says, must be obedient to God rather than being obedient to you. When it comes to that place, you you don't vary, you don't sin. But in everything else, you you and I are to be obedient to those who we work for. Let me let me give you Peter's stronger words concerning employment in in First Peter chapter two. Would you please turn there with me? 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18, 19, and 20. Listen to what Peter says to those of us who work for other people. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. It's about servants or employees. He says in verse 18, Be submissive to your employer or master with all respect. Now, he says, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. What? Why? Why do I have to be respectful to those guys or girls? He says, because this finds favor. Favor with whom? Look, if for the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. Here's the key in verse 20. Because he says, what credit, what credit is there if when you sin and you're treated harshly, you endure it with patience? What, what credit is that, he says? But, he says, if when you do what is right and you suffer for doing what is right and you patiently endure what, what you're doing that is right, but you suffer for that, he says, this will find favor with God. Let's face it. He, our Lord, is the one we are ultimately to please. He, our Lord, is the one that we are to follow. I will follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I don't even like the next verse that Craig likes. Even though I might wander, no turning back. We don't need to wander. We can stay close to the Lord. Uh, I think I got a little high. I think I got a little high uppity there. I've wandered just as all of us have. Who am I to say that? I just got convicted the moment I said it. Lord says, "Jeez, you've got to be." You know, it's like I heard in heaven, "You've got to be kidding." Who are you? I no, I'm not going to say that. I like that verse. Even though I might wander, I still will follow. The one we truly serve, folks, it is clear. It's God. Peter informs us 
that we are obedient because this finds favor with God. So back to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. Our behavior in serving another person is with the sincerity, as it says in verse 5, of our hearts, as unto the Lord. We're not serving them as much as we're serving our Lord. Verse 6, we're not going to do it just to be eye service. In other words, just to, whoa, whoa, there comes the boss. Oh, let me get busy. No, no, no. We're not to be man pleasers. We're to be slaves, it says in verse 6 of Jesus Christ, doing the will of God from our hearts. Verse 7, with goodwill, we're to render service to him, to whomever you're working for, as unto the Lord, not to man. You see, we serve others in verses 5, 6, and 7 from our hearts as unto the Lord, not as a man pleaser. And what's in it for us? What's in it for you and me if we do that? Well, verse 8 tells us God will be the one who who will reward us. Maybe your boss won't. Maybe the people you work alongside of don't really understand how hard it is that you work and, and how how extra miles you take just to make things happen in your, your place of work. But God always sees it. He always does. Look at verse 8 again. Knowing that whatever good thing each one of us does, we'll receive back from the Lord, whether we be slave or free. A long time ago, I wish you would have been... I wish you were with Jimmy. I wish you were with the Dodgers when I had the chance to do in ministry there. I love you so much. I see. I see the man. I see so much in you. Makes me want to cry right now. I love you with all my heart more than you probably ever know. It has always been my deepest belief that being a, a believer in Jesus Christ ought to make a person better at what they do. Whether you be a husband or a wife, whether you be a a child or a parent, or whether you be a worker or a boss, you name it, it ought to make you better at what you do. There was a time that I was working with the Dodgers. I'm not going to mention who the player is, don't even try to guess. But he was really very good. It was when he was a rookie, he made the ball club, and, and he wasn't doing well, and he was getting booed. And it said it, it was breaking his confidence, and he decided to quit. And he called me on the way home from the ballpark one night. Now, I'm deep asleep. I'm, I, I, don't, I don't stay up late anymore. And he called me. It must have been after midnight. i got to talk to you, he says. I said, oh, man, yeah. What? He says, meet me over at such, such and such a place. And we did, and we had a soft drink, and we sat and talked. And he says, I, I need to talk through with you. I want to quit, but I, wanna, I don't know how to tell management. I just want to quit. And I says, you can't quit. You're too good. You ought to play. You ought to, you ought to drain that sponge dry, right, Jimmy? Play until they rip that uniform off of you because you are good. He says, I don't think so. Everybody boos me. I said, really? I said, are you playing 
let me ask you a question. I said, who are you playing for? And he said, the Dodgers. And I said, right. But I said, who are you playing for? And he, Mr. O'Malley. And I said, wrong. Uh, He owns the team. But who are you playing for? And he said, oh, yeah, Tommy Lasorda. I said, wrong. Wrong. He's a great manager. Who are you playing for? He said, my teammates. I said, wrong. I said, no wonder you're having trouble. And I turned to Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. And I said to him, you are playing for Jesus Christ. And if you're not playing for Jesus Christ, then you might as well quit. I was so impressed by what I told him because I didn't have a, I didn't have a clue. I mean, if I said that to me, I would have been, oh, Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as unto the Lord, rather than for man. Knowing, he says, that it's from the Lord you're going to receive the reward of your inheritance. It is the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, whom you and I serve. I was so impressed with that that I made a talk on it and I gave it to the ball club a week or two later at chapel. One of the players, not the player that I talked to, one of the players made a plaque, verses Colossians 3, 23 and 24, and, and hung it in his locker to remind him every day when he put on his uniform that he was playing that day for Jesus Christ. That might not be a bad thing for you to do. Hang it in your workplace. Hang it in your home. As a husband, as a wife, as a child, as a parent, Whatever you do, do it as heartily as unto the Lord, knowing it's the Lord Jesus Christ whom you and I serve. Our purpose in life is to work hard so as to please the Lord our God. And in so doing, hopefully, win other unbelievers to Jesus Christ as they watch our attitude in our workplace or in our relationships with people. Our first obligation as a believer in Jesus Christ is to please God. Our first obligation is to be faithful to the testimony to Him that He has given you and me through our lives, through our work. Listen, people won't see Jesus Christ in you if you do a shoddy job or you give it half an effort. Your kids, your kids won't see Jesus Christ in you if you don't love their wives like Jesus Christ loves the church. Your kids won't see Jesus Christ in you if you don't respect your own husband and not try to control him. God states in verse 9 that our only true master Anywhere and everywhere is him. He says to him, the employers, okay, those who are the boss. He says, what I've just said to the slaves or the employees, he says, I want to say to you, do the same thing to them that I've asked them to do to you. Don't threaten them knowing that both their master and your master is in heaven and there's no partiality with him. 
You see, because God is a God of order, we are to honor and respect those who are under us or those who are over us. Because each position, theirs as well as ours, has been given to us by God. God has placed those over you and those under you to be a blessing to you and for you to be a blessing to them. So, he says, we're in verse 5, to to serve each other in the sincerity of our hearts as if we were serving Christ. Our working ought to be genuine. It ought to be without grumbling. It ought to be without complaining. It shouldn't be bragging nor lording our position over the other person. For what we do, we simply do to honor our Lord. As verse 6 and 7 remind us, We're not to please mankind. That's not our audience. We're to please God. He's our audience. Because, as verse 8 tells us, He'll be the one who will repay us, not mankind. And as verse 5 reminds us, He pays us not according to the flesh. Our payment's going to be in heaven. Aren't you glad it's God who sees you in secret? Or are you glad? Maybe not so much. But His rewards are always dependable. His rewards are always appropriate. And His rewards rewards will be what is best for you. He sees. Therefore, 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and He'll exalt you at the proper time. That's His time, not ours. You see, you don't need to get the credit. Say your boss misses what you did. And someone else takes the credit that it was really yours. No matter. God saw it all. He'll reward you at the proper time. This is supposed to be a true story. I I liked it so much I wrote it down. And I want to relate it to you as best I know how. I have just read it, so I don't know anything about it other than what I read. But it's about President Roosevelt. He was supposedly a hunter. He liked to hunt. He went to Africa. When he went to Africa on a safari, a hunting safari, as, as, he, as he got there, they heard of his coming and thousands of people showed up at the docks where his, where his boat came in and they just applauded him like crazy. And then a week later after he left, after just shooting at a few animals, he, he, he left and they just went nuts. Supposedly, a missionary who had been there some 40 years and was feeling self-pity, said to his wife, that was his first mistake. (laughs) He said to her, here we've been 40 years. Look, he's going home, and look what they've done to him. (laughs) If we were going home, there wouldn't be anybody seeing us off. And she said, oh dear, oh dear. We won't get our thanks yet because we're not going home yet. Our home is in heaven. That was great counsel she gave him. If that was a true story, and I have no reason to believe it isn't because I've heard things like that before my own little self. You and I are not here to serve or to please other people. We're to please our Lord. Therefore, we're to treat everybody with kindness, loving one another, 
We're to be obedient with fear and trembling. That means with honor and respect. So whether it be your husband or your wife, whether it be your parent or your child, or your child to the parent, whether it be an employer to those who are employees, we are all, as Ephesians 5.21 said, to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Because after all, both their master as well as our master is in heaven. And there's no partiality with him. In other words, you're not in the position you're in because you're not any good or you're not in the position that you're in because you're better. Would you put the, the last thing up on the board? I, Again, this was what just came to my heart while I was finishing the study. If authority has been given to you and me, it is because God believed He could trust us being a servant. If you haven't been given authority, you're working for other people, it's obviously because God believed you could be a faithful follower. Either way, we are to be subject to one another. In fear and in trembling, that means in honor and respect, as unto the Lord. I've decided to follow Jesus, so therefore I want to try to live out that principle in my life. You're very fortunate here, at least up to this point. I don't see myself as something special here. I never have, I never would. The truth be told, those that really know me, I'm fairly shy. I don't like speaking in public. Isn't that amazing? You talk about God's taking something that's weak. That's me. Do I like doing this? No. I love doing it. I would rather do this than anything I do. I love studying. When I was in school, I hated homework. You know what I do every week now? homework for crying out loud i told my buddy i used to copy off his papers when we were in college because he was really smart and i'd say what is the answer what is the answer what is the answer and he'd slide the paper and take a look you know i just cheated i hated to go home and study he calls me every day we are the very best of friends i said you know what i'm doing today he says what homework I'm doing homework. Can you believe it? He just laughs at me. I don't take this thing seriously. I take what I do for the Lord very seriously. I study as hard as I know how to. I give you everything I have every single week. But God forbid that I would ever lord this position over any one of us. I am accessible, folks. I'll tell you what I do. The decisions that have been made here have been made for one reason and one reason only. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? 
regardless of how much I love a person, is irrelevant. I love Christ more. And we will always follow what Jesus asks us to do. Always, always, always. And it'll never be one person that makes that decision. It'll always be done in a group so that one person can't have a, oh, I don't know, something against another person maybe. We want to serve the Lord here with all of our hearts. We want to be a people who become servants if we have a place of authority and we want to follow, follow, follow. I'll tell you what, I'll just give you a little insight. We're almost through with the book of Ephesians. We're going to be talking next week and a couple weeks probably about putting on the full armor of God. It's such a wonderful place starting in chapter 6, verse 10. It's, read it, read through it. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's only a couple weeks maybe, I don't know how long, before we go to the next book. Do you know that I don't know the next book I'm going to study yet? I've gotten some input from you. I know I don't know any other pastor. The, the, he, boom, boom, boom. He's going to do what he's going to do, and he's going to do it. Not me. I want to do what you want us to do. I want to be one of you. I don't know where I'm at right now. I don't know why I went on this rabbit trail. I guess I don't know why. I know why, but I don't want to say it. I do know I love you very much. I do know that if authority has been given to you, it's because God believes He could trust you being a servant. And I believe if He has not given you authority, obviously He believes that you and I can be faithful to follow. That's really wonderful. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, may we be faithful to honor You with every aspect of our lives. Whether we be one who is in control, in authority, or one who is not, may we be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. May we really love each other. I thank you for this church. I I absolutely love this church. I love everything about it. I pray, Father God, that you would help us to grow and help us to be all that you want us to be. Take everyone here, Father God, and bless them. I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. I love you all more than I can tell you. Thanks for putting up with me. Who knows? Who knows where I'm going? Thank you. Thank you so much.